0: You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier Richard McCall. ...shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of
1: Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McColl, here in Bogota, Colombia. And this is episode 424 of the Colombia Calling podcast. Can I remind you that we have two sponsors of the Colombia Calling podcast... ...and it's brought to you. It's sponsored by Latin News, which is a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. So sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. Thank you to uh, Latin News for that sponsorship. And our second sponsor is... Uh, well, this episode is brought to you by BNB Columbia Tours, expert in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolumbia.com, complete the free itinerary form and tell them that Columbia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% of their already great prices. And of course, they cover the main cities Medellin, Bogota, Cali, Cartagena, and also things that are more out there, such as Guaviare, Meta, Casanare, down into Putumayo, and so on. They can do anything. So check out BNB Columbia Tours or BNB Columbia.com and our other sponsor, Latinnews.com. And this episode, 424, we'll be talking to Shevki Medji and He's a travel writer and author of significant note, and he has a new book out called Crossed Off the Map Travels in Bolivia. But he's written a lot about Colombia as well. So we're going to look at both countries in terms of tourism and stories. Be warned, there are plenty of anecdotes in this episode. It's a fun episode, lightening it up a little bit. We've had some quite polemic uh, uh, issues to talk about in the last few weeks. When is Colombia not political, I ask you. But at the same same time they were lightening this one up a little bit to talk you know have a yeah, good good banter i think this time around travel and writing and bolivia and colombia and well just the curiosities that uh, surround these two countries so we will pass over now to matt de salvo who will be providing you with the news this week as emily hart is still away and then in segment three we come back
2: with chefki medji so thank you again for listening and please don't go away I'm Matthew DiSalvo and these are your top stories for the week of May the 16th, 2022. A Paraguayan anti-mafia prosecutor was murdered in the tourist trap of Baru last Tuesday. 45-year-old Marcelo Pecci was on honeymoon with his pregnant wife on the island near the city of Cartagena when two men arrived on a jet ski and shot him. Police have said the Brazen attack was likely linked to Pecci's anti-organised crime cases in his home country. Police from Colombia and Paraguay have since teamed up with the US DEA and FBI to find the killers. Colombian police have offered a reward of 2 billion pesos, 500,000 US dollars, for information leading to the capture of the killers and said it was likely the hit was ordered by transnational criminals working across borders. The mayor of Colombia's second largest city, Medellín, was last week suspended for allegedly meddling in the country's upcoming elections. Daniel Quintero, who has been mayor since 2020, posted a video on Twitter and Instagram where, sitting in a car, he called for a change to first. This was interpreted as expressing support for the leftist Gustavo Petro, who currently leads in the polls, because it's a slogan he used in his campaign. It is illegal for public officials to participate in electoral politics in Colombia. President Iván Duque appointed one of his allies, Juan Camilo Restrepo, as an interim mayor. Both the President and the Colombia's Inspector General have been criticised by Medellin officials for the move. Incidentally, there are various open complaints against President Duque for intervention in electoral politics, but the leader announced he, that he will continue to publicly offer opinions on the presidential candidates and policy proposals. Colombia's largest left-wing armed group, the ELN, has announced a unilateral ceasefire in the days before and after the first round of Colombia's May 29 presidential election. The group, which operates mainly in large swaths of isolated Colombia, released a statement saying the ceasefire was so people could vote peacefully. The ELN has previously held ceasefires during election time in other years. The guerrilla group, which was founded in the 60s, is heavily involved in the cocaine trade and regularly attacks government infrastructure, particularly oil pipelines. And the Colombian peso today bounced back after struggling for the past month against the US dollar. Today, the peso was the best performing Latin American currency, according to Bloomberg. The peso had been performing poorly and had fallen by 8% compared to the dollar, mainly because of falling oil prices. Today, it closed at 4,058 to 1 US dollar because of Colombia's good economic performance. The country's economy grew by 8.5% in Q1 this year compared with Q1 of last year, exceeding expectations. Those are your top stories for the week. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next Monday.
1: And we're back. This is episode 424 of the Columbia Falling Podcast. My very special guest this week is Shafik Meji. He's a renowned travel writer based in southeast London, but he's uh, well, he's written from all over the world, but of course, you know, brought to my attention, not only did he hear, you know, contract me back in 2011, so a lifetime ago, uh, before children and before other things, before pandemic, but he's also, I, you know, writes quite, you know, I would say profoundly and extensively about Latin America, South America, Bolivia, Colombia, elsewhere. Uh, so, but we're going to chat about everything. Shafik, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Richard. It's a yeah. It's a a real pleasure to be uh, to be talking to you. See, we communicate
1: on social media, but we haven't actually spoken since 2011, when we had the sort of, I guess it was kind of like an interview for what was then. I don't know if it's still around. The Nile Guide.
0: Yeah, it 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 really does. It really doesn't feel that long at all. (laughs) And because of you know social media, kind of you know gives you an insight or a little snapshot into into people's lives, so you feel like you've been. kind of kind of keeping up a relationship but yeah absolutely yeah um chatting like this is lovely and as for nile guide i i I think it burned brightly and then possibly fizzled out
1: Like so many uh, travel related websites and websites as well. And of course, you know, these things come and go, don't they? They're kind of like magazines, they come and go, there's a peak for the interest and so on. I I was thinking the other day of of the Matador network, that must still be around because it had a huge sort of, uh, you know, drive behind it and the San Francisco techies that did it, but it's certainly not as big as it was back in the day.
0: It's still going, as far as I'm aware, but yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of it's it's not it's it's it's, not as, it's certainly not as prominent as it uh, as it as it once was. Like 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 so many of the you know the 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 startups that that yeah. come out of California.
1: That's right, isn't it, California, San Francisco, and so on. But to tell me a little bit, I mean, first of all, we'll mention it, and we'll come back to it. You've got a book out, I've got it, maybe the only copy in Colombia. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's called Crossed Off the Map Travels in Bolivia. And I've read excerpts here and there, because I haven't had time to sit down and read it all. But it's a really in-depth look at, I would say, I mean a lot of South America is misunderstood or just not understood but Bolivia is particularly one of those countries so I mean you you are involved with the Latin American Bureau so this you know this entity that publishes books and and reports and so on all about South America Central America Mexico and so on how how is it you just said listen we really need to do something like it's almost it's a I wouldn't say it's like a political travelog because everything in Bolivia is political everything is like tell us a little bit about the book and how it came about
0: Yeah I mean I, I so I first visited um South America and Bolivia in 2004 I was a sports writer at the time um and I was taking the impromptu gap year really um and at the time I think like 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 many people outside of um uh, outside of Bolivia, outside of Latin America, didn't really know much about Bolivia at all. Um, I was just looking for a, uh, you know, a convenient and cheap way to get from uh, Brazil, where I'd been enjoying uh, uh, carnival in Rio. Uh, and I wanted to get to um, to to Cusco to start the uh, start the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, and, and at the time, you know, uh, I, I just needed to travel overland through Bolivia. Bolivia was just, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, a, 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 an obstacle uh, for me to get from 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 A to B. But you know, uh, you know, I was so glad I made the journey because as soon as you know I, I entered Bolivia and you know started to travel around it, you know. Realise it's such a place of extremes, with the highest cities on earth, the biggest salt flat, the highest, uh, the largest high altitude lake, the most biodiverse national park, the most dangerous road, you know, so on and, and so on. And as you know, as I travelled through, through it, it, you know, it really, you know, it really made an impact. It kind of grabbed hold of me um, and never let go. And then, you know, that that journey around South America really prompted me to change careers came back to London and I became a travel writer eventually um, and started writing guidebooks for Rough Guides. Um, And eventually that led on to um, to work on the Rough Guide to Bolivia um, around a decade ago. And that really allowed me to explore Bolivia in, you know, in far greater depth um, than I would have possibly, uh, would, would have been able to otherwise. And I was also very lucky in that it was a, you know, particularly dramatic and turbulent and, you know, um, impactful time in in um, in Bolivian history as well. So I was fortunate from those times, and, and really, the, you know, the, the the idea for the book came from those from those research trips. It, you know, I, as I learned more about the fascinating history of Bolivia, you know, these fragments of history that uh, you know have been forgotten beyond its borders. Thought so that's a great story to tell. And, um, you know, and then increasingly it felt like the future had already arrived in Bolivia. You know, the, it, this was a country that um, is dealing with the consequences of the climate crisis, has been dealing with the concept, consequences of the climate crisis for, you know, you know many years now. Is dealing with issues like populism and the war on drugs and migration and all of these kind of things that I think will shape all of our lives all around the world. Uh, you know, in in the years and decades to come, um, it just seemed like a fascinating, fascinating story to tell. To kind of both look back at the fascinating history, to look at how uh, Bolivia is also coping with these contemporary challenges, and to bring them together in a book. And I couldn't really believe that someone hadn't done it beforehand. You know, it's it, it, these are so so brilliant, brilliant stories. But I think like lots of things in in, in Latin America. Um, you know there's, there's not a great deal of you know coverage in the English language media in the international media that there's not enough you know books and articles and podcasts and all of these kind of things um, so so yeah this is this is my small attempt to uh, to try and try and put that right for uh, for Bolivia at least. Uh,
1: and so I mean if we're looking at I guess it's- you said two thousand and four. Did you travel through the Chaco then, through Paraguay overland, or did you go straight through from Brazil through Acre? I think it is into Bolivia.
0: Yeah, no, no. So, so I, so I, I, I was in the pan. I travelled through the Pantanal, which um, obviously most people associate with uh, with Brazil, the world's largest tropical wetlands. But um, Bolivia also has a, um, a a huge chunk of it too. And so I was travelling through the Bolivian side of it and the uh, Brazilian side of it, across the border into into uh bolivia and then took um you know what what are known as the death trains that run from the brazilian border all the way to the uh to the city of um santa cruz um and that was an incredible you're traveling through the wetlands you, you know you can you, you you see incredible wildlife from the train it's got a very evocative history of the train of course and then you know arriving in santa cruz was really an eye-opening experience i would never been anywhere quite like it before there was there were there were mennonites mm. that, I, that i that i met there were the uh you know um uh japanese bolivian communities there there were there were sloths in the trees of the the central plaza there were these huge blacked-out uh, four-by-fours, you know, these narco cruisers, um, as, they, as, as they were called. You know, there was, there was, there was, there was the f- the first of many, many hundreds and hundreds of political protests that I've that I've seen and experienced in Bolivia with you know banging pots and and pans, and it was kind of an incredibly vivid, you know, experience. It kind of grabbed me and uh, and shook me, and you know, I think from that moment I was I, w- I was hooked. And and yeah, and and absolutely. As I, as I, I travelled more through through the country on that on that trip, and then subsequently for work for the rough guides, mm. um, you know that feeling just um just intensified really.
1: So it's kind of there's a there's a like a the book is kind of there's a compendium of of past stories but brought up to date, isn't it? It's like you're taking in a lot of reflections, which makes it very nice. I I also think I, I've got I've got, I mean for me, you know, I, I got to Bolivia how did I get there? I can't remember. Down through Peru the first time. So it was in the early 2000s, uh, early before 2004, I think. I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, and then I came through and there were protests all the time. I mean, all the time. But I, I, had, I had seen protests in Peru prior to the uh, elections and I'd seen protests in Guatemala where I'd lived previously and elsewhere. But Bolivia was the most vivid. And I remember being in La Paz, and of course, the main road down the middle, which sort of descends down the bowl. Uh, and there's a bridge towards the, the bottom. And the miners were striking. And this is prior to 2004. I'm absolutely sure it's like 2001. And they were striking over their, you know, their conditions that they lived in and the poor pay and so on. And they hung up nooses on the bridge and said they were going to hang themselves because death was better than what they were living. And then the riot police came out and they were, so the miners started throwing their sticks of dynamite at them. And I was sitting in a kebab shop, (laughs) as you do, on this road, just behind a glass. And it it never occurred to me that I might be in trouble. I was just watching it as if it was on TV because it was so far displaced from anything I'd ever seen before. And so this, you know, this all sort of wound down after dynamite and so on else. And then the next day, there was a, a women's uh, demonstration in front of that building. Which I guess it's the Bolivian Institute of Human Rights right there as well. That nice big building, kind of, I think it was like a pink color or something. Anyway, you know, the women, the indigenous women, so the Aymara and the Quechua women were protesting. And they were protesting in their bras, uh, because of the rights, and and they said if the government and the the, the, the uh, whoever was involved didn't come out to negotiate or talk to them, they would take their bras off. And and I think it was Banzer who was in control of President Banzer after, you know, obviously not during the dictatorship, but he came back, I guess it was what, 15, 20 years later. Anyway, that government caved. <laughs> they said, we are not taking your bras off. We will talk to you. I mean, and I just remember going, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I love it. And then after a while, traveled around the country all over and then decided I'm going to go through I'm going to go to Paraguay and through the Chaco. And I was really, after getting in Santa Cruz and finding a Mexican restaurant, and I I looked at it and went, well, there's a lot of people in there, it must be good. And I I mistakenly thought there were tourists as well, but they were all the Mennonites dressed in their, you know, their dungarees and straw hats. And they were watching Benny Hill on the big screen. I mean, it was just one of those bizarre, and this this was Bolivia in a nutshell. Then I caught the bus from Santa Cruz. And it must have been moving drugs because we got stopped so many times and there was cash around and then we got delayed somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And the, you know, I mean, it was, and then there were, there were also girls, I mean girls, they were young ladies who were going off kind of illegally to work as maids in Uruguay. And I mean, everything on my bus, it was the cheapest bus. That's, that's what happened. You know? And I mean, and then as we got into Paraguay, just some, some Paraguayan kid got up in, I don't know, some rural part of Canada, Paraguay. He got onto the bus and he can't have been older than like 10 or 12. He just decided, I'm going to Asunción. <laughs> so he got on because he had the money. And then a, a little bit further down, we got stopped and the kid got taken off. And he was like, what's going on here? And then it was another, there was another sort of like checkpoint. I guess everyone's getting their cut of each like commission for this, the movement of this bus. And we all had to go in. And of course, I'm with, I, I am a foreigner amongst Peruvians and Bolivians and everyone else. And, you know, they sort of just waved me through. But the Peruvian young ladies were, you know, pretty girls. And I remember that they were from Chiclayo, Chiclayo, Northern Peru. And, uh, uh, and I remember them well. they were going to Uruguay. That was the thing. And the border policeman or the guy who was checking the migration guy in Paraguay said, I'm not giving you, I'm not going to stamp your passports to the Peruvian girls. And, he, and they were like, what? No, no, no. You, you, we need more pretty girls in Paraguay, so you just stay here. Like that, because these girls started crying and stuff. And the guys, I guess, you know, he, guess that he, he sort of laughed it off as if it was a joke. But at no moment at the beginning was it a joke. You know, no moment. Mm. And I just think this this whole, again, it was very much for me, I guess, as an impressionable 22, 23 year old, or whatever I was at the time, it was really seeing a different world that, you know, I, I traveled a lot, but this was right up and close. And I think Bolivia, you know, represents that. And if we get onto another subject that you did mention, well, it's definitely in the book, the lithium. And we just. A, the capitalism side of things that Bolivia is facing. So I, no more anecdotes from me. I just went. there. But the the the, the capitalism side because this, this is where you know uh, Evo Morales comes in and this you know I, I, the two sides of course Santa Cruz and La Paz el Alto, Sucre to another side really. Uh, but this friction in the country isn't it? It's just. I mean, what's going on now today in, in 2022 regarding all this? Because I know that we had Janine Agnes present for a bit. And now where are we now? Sorry. Are you, did you bring us up to speed?
0: It's I mean it, it 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 it's difficult to say from day to day and hour to hour with any with any with any confidence. Um yeah, I mean it, during my time traveling it, you know. In, in in Bolivia i kind of saw you know experience that you know that the evo morales years i mean he 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 came to power not long after i i first visited and all the all the way through that you know the last 10 15 years of of, of me travelling he 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 was he was in power until until 2019 and you really saw huge change in 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 the country Huge numbers of people, millions and millions of people brought out of poverty. There's a lot of development. There's a real flourishing of um, kind of indigenous pride and identity uh, and a throwing off of, uh, you know, long held um, uh, repression. But, you know, they're obviously, they're, you know, there's he stayed in power an awful long time, like a lot of people. Tend to do, you know, the, the political figures and stayed in power too long. I mean, one one of the one one of the um, the anecdotes that were recount in the in, in the book is talking to a supporter of, of Morales in in El Alto, which is one of the hotbeds of his uh, of his support. Talking to him in uh, in 2016, just before a referendum that would have uh, you know allowed uh, um, Morales to stay in power even longer and he said, you know, said oh, well, i you know his supporters said, i you know supported him all all the way all the way through he's been the best you know the best leader of our country we've ever we've ever had but i won't be voting for him in this this referendum we don't want him to stay in too long he said we don't want a king mm-hmm. in in bolivia which i thought was kind of quite a nice way of 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 summing it up and i think unfortunately um morales although he certainly had a positive impact it's you know he he also had a negative impact in many many aspects of of, of of life as well and i think it's it's hard to argue that he he didn't stay in power too long mm. anyway scroll forward to to 20, 2019 which um you know because of the pandemic seemed like another another world and certainly in in bolivian politics as well and it, and it looked like um you know there was another general election even though there was uh, you know a lot of unhappiness with him running again uh it did you know it did look like he was going to be re-elected but then there were you know, after the vote, there were allegations of of, of uh, electoral fraud. You know, mm-hmm. accusations one way or another, and eventually, you know, protests on the streets. And you know, eventually, he was he was asked. Uh, you know, uh, I use inverted commas around, around "asked." He was asked to, uh, to 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 leave for the good of the country by 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 military figures, and then you know he 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 left. And in the power vacuum, it was taken over by um, you know. In some ways, the polar opposite of him—you know—an extremely right-wing, you know, um, you know, staunch Christian figure in in Agnes. Um, and you know, and there was huge, huge amounts of you know human rights abuses and 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 uh, repression and so on, and obviously they had to deal with the uh, the pandemic as well, which. Which uh, which obviously broke up uh, uh, broke out a few months later, and um, you know Bolivia, like many parts of the world, was very badly affected by that. You know, trying to bring it up to date in a concise way, which is always a bit of a challenge. You know, you know now, you know the the mass party, the party of Morales, is 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 back in power. They were overwhelmingly, um, you know, um, uh, democratically elected. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Morales himself, who was in exile in Mexico first, and then in Argentina is now, is now, is now back in, back in the country, although not, not in the, uh, in the presidential palace. Mm-hmm. So, um, know, yeah, and, and, and really they're going through a, you know, something of a reckoning about what happened during the election and the, you know, the, the human rights abuses, that happened um that happened during during the um the, the the period the period after it as well as you know trying to cope with the uh, you know the the pandemic and cope with the climate crisis and cope with all these other other issues that are you know major major issues um for for for, for bolivia particularly so it's um you know it 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 is always whenever you visit it is always an interesting time politically in bolivia
1: well, watch this segue how i move it over to colombia now um but no i think what you talk about and what you've been mentioning and what you write about there's so much of it can be transposed quite directly to other countries in in latin america there is you know the, i don't know if it's because they're neighbors and they see for another and so on but you know this this uh, issue of staying in power too long the issue of climate change which is it should be at the forefront of every political. Uh, do we still say mass manifesto or every political campaign, uh, because it truly affects the people and, of course, the most at risk. And when you look at like El Alto or you look at other parts of Bolivia, with is is the big mountain did I- Ilimani? I want to say something like
0: that. Ilimani, but yes, yeah. that overlooks a yeah, uh, yeah, beautiful mountain that overlooks uh, La Paz and, yeah. and El Alto.
1: And all of all of these things that, uh, that are definitely uh, affect. I mean, here in Colombia, everywhere. I mean, where I am in Bogota, and the floods, or then the droughts, and when elsewhere around the country, it's everything. Landslides all the time. Uh, but the politics, uh, and you had Evo Morales, who had he not wished to hold on to power, would have probably gone down as one of the most positive uh, presidential periods in South American history i would say you know i'm not saying that everything he did was right you know, but when you look at uh the bar was pretty low as well <laughs> you, know, you, you know banza it was a quiroga they want to say uh and and then uh mesa and oh, who who's the el gringo i can't remember his name uh called someone gringo uh, yeah well
0: there, 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 was, there was goni goni who you might be thinking of who was uh, who was um Very wealthy and was deposed just, or you know, was toppled just before uh, before Morales came to power. But yeah, it's 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 a motley, it's a motley bunch, and 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 particularly certainly initially, Morales was a hugely influential figure. I mean, you know, the most influential figure in Bolivian history over the last 100 years and I'd say certainly one of, one of one of the most influential figures in in South American history over exactly. over over 100 last 100 years or so um, but yeah you know it's 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 a common problem it's not a problem linked <laughs> limited to South America far no. far from it of, of, of yeah. people not political figures not not leaving at the right moment or not knowing when to leave at the right moment or not being nudged out of the way at, at, at the last uh, you know but but before before they you know they they were their um before before they were their record and I think um you know I, th- I think unfortunately that's that that's that's probably happened with Morales it happens it happens all too much and now is it
1: is he in a position where he is uh let's say let's put this carefully advising the current government is it is it a puppet government I mean this is this is the question no
0: no no I, I, I no, no. From, from my experience, I, th- I think it, you know it, it, they've got you know it's I say it's a capable you know they, they've got it's a, it's a capable and different leadership to to Morales, and I think Morales would obviously like to you know have influence with him. But the, I think the leadership is also you know as as far as I'm are kind of tried to put a bit of distance uh, between themselves and, and Morales because there, there, there was there was opposition to to Morales. Pre 2019, from both the right and the left, you know, it it, it it's it's kind of it, it's like everything in life, and particularly in Bolivia, it's a very nuanced situation. There were there were there were lots of different criticisms of him, and it wasn't just a kind of you know reactionary far right you know um, response to him. Although that was certainly that was certainly present as well. So I think probably wisely the the, the new leadership is trying to you know strike its own its own course it's it's you know to show that the party is you know is 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 bigger than bigger than Morales but you know Morales is a huge yeah, huge figure he remains hugely popular within you know certain certain parts of the population um and he's a strong character to uh, to put it mildly so um is this the end of his story i i would strongly suspect not yeah, he'll
1: he'll there'll be some influence in in decades to come uh, from this. Of course, there will, and and then of course after his time, it will still be looking back. And it's amazing, really. Uh, yeah, and and there was one mention in the book, and I didn't follow up though. And you did talk, and I'm, I'm again going off on a, a digression here. But you mentioned the San Pedro prison. Did you get in in the end?
0: No. So this this, this is this is an interesting this an interesting story and I, and I think it kind of it, it, it speaks to something that as, as a travel writer you, you kind of you know, what kind of one of the issues that you kind of come across a lot so on my you know on my first visit as a backpacker when i was a sports reporter before starting you know before changing my career becoming a travel writer um i was you know i'd i'd read the books about you know marching powder the very famous book about uh, um life in san pedro prison in la paz And uh, and yeah, when when I was there, you you know, I I met other travellers, other backpackers that had gone into the the prison and had a tour, and uh, you know, got up to uh, all kinds of all kinds of activity. And you know, I was much younger man at the time. You know, I kind of you know less 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 perhaps aware of what are the negative consequences of these kind of things. So so you know, you know, I was quite keen to go in. But however, there there was there there had been some security issues while I was in La Paz, and they'd tightened everything up and um, just for that for the for those few weeks they weren't except you know you weren't able to get in so I never actually got in and in, in retrospect I'm really glad that I didn't because you know it's 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 kind of it's a voyeuristic time kind of t- uh, tourism really and it's but you know the the tours have been linked with um, you know a lot of problems in in the prison you know prisoners families are often in the prison with them there's 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 serious problems of 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 violence and abuse and some of these have been linked with um um tours and uh, and and backpackers going in naively or for a great story to tell and you know there's definitely periods of my life when I was younger that you know that I wouldn't have thought I would have done the, mm-hmm. done the same mm-hmm. so yeah so I never I, ne- I never went in and I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad I didn't but I, you know I I, I you know I do write about this a little bit in the in in the book because it's a fascinating you know it, it it's 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 another window into a certain aspect of uh, of um of Bolivian life of where you know the the prisoners are required to you know buy in inverted commas or rent their own cells if you can't afford to do that you know you're you're essentially you know sleeping outside and you're, you're suffering very badly if however you have lots of lots of money if you're a uh, you know, if you've been made a lot of money through political corruption or through drug trafficking or or or, or something else, you know, you, you, your your cell can resemble a you know a five star hotel room. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's and and it's it's a real it's it's a uh, it's it's a it's a society and in microcosm inside the uh, inside the prison. And interestingly, it's it's you know this fascination with with life in Bolivia's prisons or South American prisons isn't a new phenomenon at all um you know one of one of the, uh, the one of the texts that i i used to research the book was uh, written by um, uh, an american in the 1910s and he visited you know and he and he he visited um, you know the, the prisons in the past to get you know to get an insight and no doubt to indulge in a bit of uh, you know voyeuristic tourism So, um, so yeah, so it's, uh, you know, if, if people are thinking of, of, of visiting, I would, I would strongly advise not to do so. For, uh, for various reasons well i didn't get in either
1: um, i i would have uh, at that age I would have probably killed to have got in for the stories you know to one-upmanship as a backpacker however as a sort of social projects guide or, or and so on when I was in Quito with a group of uh, English uh, gap year students we did used to make trips into the Quito women's prison and the men's prison uh, it was incredibly but part of it was it was within their first week of arriving and we I was with them for three months and it was to stop them from wanting to get involved in any anything <laughs> illicit and it was a very good way it, um but it always terrified me and the the third time I was going to go in because the police only control the door uh you know to get in and to get out and they said well we and you had to get a stamp on your you know the underside of your forearm and a stamp that said you could come out so like almost like a migration stamp for your passport and they said well we can stamp you in but we can't stamp you out and i'm like what is it well no there's a riot going on so you can go in but we can't guarantee you can get out and i was like yeah i'm not we're just not going in but so we would always visit the english people and we'd sit in their cell and they would talk to us and it was always just like my god but I think the, at the end of it, we ended up in one of the sort of top-end wings, as you would say, and there were hanging baskets of flowers, uh, bougainvillea on, from that thing, and uh, there was a burger bar where there were flipping burgers in the corner, and everyone had their own TV. A lot were Colombians because they had been involved in, you know, yeah. narcotics. And I recall the day it was Manchester United was playing Exeter City in the FA Cup now i went to exeter university way back from my undergrad and i remember so i had a soft spot for exeter city i stuck my head into one of the cells i said oh look my team's playing it was colombian he smiled at me yeah Manchester's a great team i went no the other one he went what the shit one (laughs) so so there you go that's my story my one notmanship but i understand exactly what you're saying and as an older individual now i'm completely aware but i would, would have been totally unaware but it was a it was a, a different time it was a different uh practice and it was for you know and a different motive as well but uh i think you know we, we, we've been talking for a long time but uh i mean bolivia of course is very topical for you because of the book uh, how is the book how has the reception been
0: Oh, it's 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 been really good so far. Yeah. I mean, it came out on the fifteenth of March, and it's been a you know it's been a real whirlwind of uh, you know interviews and talks and um, articles and, and 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 so on. But it's been you know I've had a, had a, had a lovely response from 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 readers, and that's really been a, you know a gratifying kind of kind of experience it seems to have chimed with quite a lot of people yeah. and um yeah it, you know for me it's just it, it's 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 been a it's a you know I'm a huge hugely passionate uh, you know an evangelist for <laughs> for visiting Bolivia for you know for for championing Bolivia so um yeah so it's been nice to kind of you know um uh see the book out and kind of you know and 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 uh you know really really Take it to a new audience, really, and and, and to kind of publicise Bolivia a bit in a uh, in a in a, to to people that may not have uh, you know may not have um, heard about it before, and actually at least one reader has said that um, they're. They're booking some flights, uh, having read the book to, uh, to 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 visit, which is you know that's the that's the nicest possible compliment you can get when you um, when you when you write those kind of books, and also because it's kind of you know as much as I love Bolivia and there's a lot of positive things about it, and I talk about the you know the incredible landscapes, the wonderful national parks, the Saladia Uni and Titicaca and all of these places. You know I, you know I, 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 it, it doesn't shy away from the you know the the more difficult or the darker. Um, aspects of the uh, aspects of the country. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm 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 delighted. I've uh, I've at least prompted one person to uh, to travel out uh, and uh, to explore Bolivia for themselves.
1: Well, this is it again. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, crossed off the map travels in Bolivia. There it is. Very, it's really you know. I'm the, what I have read has been great, and as you say. I don't think you should shy away from the more difficult points. I mean again it's all complex from Colombia all the way down, Colombia all the way up. It's all complex and this is one of my issues I have, and I've talked about it before. is this country branding campaigns that oh, I, I suppose everywhere has them. I think Ecuador always focuses on the Galapagos, which again is a tiny, tiny part of what Ecuador has to offer. Uh, Brazil usually then focuses on Carnaval. Again, that spreads across the country, but people people have the image of Rio and the Samba drum and, and Panama is the canal and it, it, there's all these different things. I, I, Guatemala's was always quite good for me, because it was like the heart of the Maya world, which it's not wrong, because it does extend across the country. But for Colombia, I don't know what I don't know what Bolivia if they have a, uh, you know, country sort of branding, but Colombia for me is one of those things is we can't turn our back on the negatives we it's not about embracing it but it's about coming to terms with it and i think that's what you do in the book as well is that you're you are bringing it out the, you know you've got you've got uh talks about the chaco war between bolivia and paraguay where you know and paraguay's you know, nonsensical attacks on these things and so on uh it, it is important and it is very much in the region uh, but because i would say uh, you know after sort of colonial period, I'm not going to go back, back before that. This is, you know, from colonial period to now, is a very contemporary culture and, of course, a search for identity. And you, you address that in the book, I mean, because that is what it is. And this is something I've been trying to work on with my own projects in Colombia, is what is an identity of a country like Colombia or like Bolivia? Uh, uh, Bolivia, I would say, has got further having elected Morales uh there there is an acceptance of the original what would you call it, aboriginal so the original people of the land of course the population is much much larger let's say the indigenous original people the quechua Aymara, and so on colombia it's a you know a, a minority <laughs> Of course, it is to the to the whites and the mestizos and so on, but it's this it's this question that it's constantly there about these these identities. And I I wonder, and I'm picking your brains because I'm thinking about some of the articles that you did uh recently about Colombia. You've done Providencia for the BBC. So the the, the paradigm Paradise Island, just off Nicaragua, basically. So the, the sister island to San Andres, which is not my most favorite place, but Providencia is amongst them. I think I've been two or three times. Uh, Tom Filing did a book you know, on that as well. He was on the podcast maybe 200 episodes ago or so. Uh, you wrote a piece on the Llanos. So, uh, you know, so if you go south of Bogotá to Meta, the Llanos, and then over or to Casanare, uh, for Wonderlust, and you were with friends of mine who have operators there, Julia Andres, uh, Wild Janos, which is just amazing, and and you wrote another piece it's like discover the real Colombia, and and you've written a piece about Chicha for Tonic Mag. I these are all incredibly different articles. You know, you couldn't take one thing out of them and say this is Colombia. I mean, how do you feel about this?
0: I mean. Uh- to be honest, this kind of sums up my my writing career, and I'm I'm drawn to these 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 kind of stories. I mean, I think you know I, I turn your question on on its head, and really that I think you know all of us have multiple identities and, and countries, particularly. And you know, as you say, in 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 tourism branding campaigns, you know, it often reduces it down to a single image or a single aspect of of you know. Bolivia for example is often seen as an Andean country and people think of it as mountains and that's how it's sold a third of it is in the Amazon basin you know and kind of and 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 the rest of it is wetlands and and so so, yeah I'm always interested in kind of looking beyond the stereotypes and trying to trying to explore you know identities or aspects of the cult of of countries or or in, in fact geographical areas that are often overlooked and that's what I really try to do um uh, when i was in when i was in Colombia, because you know Colombia is incredibly diverse of course but you know often for, say from a touristic point of view it's the the andes and the caribbean that are that are that are sold and rightly so there's fantastic places to to visit in both but a lot of these stories have been told and told you know r- repeatedly and i you know i'm always interested to, to look at stories that haven't been told and that are underappreciated and to you know see what see what light they they they, they should they shine on uh they shine on the country and also maybe you know encourage people to explore and to, to read further and so you know i initially came out to um to research you know a story in the in the yanos and they're in an absolutely in- incredible incredible region and uh you know and to spend some time with the yaneros with with the cowboys to see how uh, the traditional lifestyles are continuing. To see how that in, intersects with issues like conservation, to explore some, uh, you know, some some really wonderful and positive, sustainable um, tourism uh, operations around these private reserves, which are set around the, the atolls. These these massive, massive cattle ranches, um, and also, you know, and on uh, on the same trip. Almost as far away from 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 the Andes as you can get to Providencia, which is you know uh, uh, while I was there, someone described it as the least Colombian part of Colombia. I think slightly slightly tongue in cheek, but it's obviously you know it, it 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 doesn't fit you know in in many ways in in cultural terms with the with uh, with what what outsiders might perceive of Colombia. Guess even what many Colombians would perceive as 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 as, as themselves. But I think you know, and Providencia quite apart from being you know hands down one of the most beautiful places to visit not just in colombia in 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 latin america and, and and the caribbean it's wonderful for diving it's a beautiful has beautiful beaches um but yeah the the, the history of it and the the, you know, the the identity of the the people they have a different language they you know their 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 um typical religious beliefs are often different it's got a very distinctive history of pirates and puritans and um you know slave owners from 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 jamaica and indigenous settlers settlers from uh, central america and it's a real real kind of uh, you know I, I won't use the melting pot you know cliche but it's a real mix of different different cultures and it's got a very you know a fascinating fascinating history and all of that is kind of you know um, you know that, that you can explore in, in, you know, surrounded by some of the, you know, the most beautiful waters. And
1: if I could jump in, is the history really appeals to me about Providencia. I mean, the history of this, and I obviously, you know, we're all kind of taken by the somewhat romantic, obviously very tragic history of the piracy and so on, and of course Henry Morgan launching his sacking of Panama from Providencia. And I, if there's any pirate experts out there. I've been doing my research, and one of the pirates who was sort of uh, launching one wing, I guess, of this attack was called Lawrence Prince. Now, Lawrence Prince was actually Dutch, so it's Lawrence Prince, P-R-I-N-S. Now, late just before going on with with Henry Morgan, he had he had sailed up the Magdalena to try and sack Montrose, and I haven't found any more than just that mentioned, and that's one of my big big investigation so please anyone out there and i was wondering in your research on providence did you find anything
0: <laughs> i mean I, I i would love to just pull out of my back pocket a uh, you know a a, a a yellow document that you know provides new insight into this story sadly not other other than that there was you know there, there was a big dutch pirate presence on on the island uh you know and uh some of the initial settlers it was it was it was thought to be initially uninhabited before the before the pirates arrived and and then they were replaced by the puritans who were then replaced by the spanish who were then replaced by more more pirates but there was there was a, there was a strong dutch um uh presence but uh, obviously both in the pirates and in and you know through through the the, the puritan settlers from um from the uk so you know it's I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm sure there there are people out there better qualified than me that will be able to uh to, to shed some light because it's it's a fascinating story and i think there's so many of those kinds of stories of kind of the european presence in you know during the early colonial periods in that part of the, the the caribbean and uh yeah there's some incredible stories you know still to unearth
1: It's it's true and, and so, but so i mean we we've been going over these things and I, I think the last thing we need to talk about is because, because the magazine is so print and we can't get it online, Tonic Mag, Tonic Magazine, you wrote about chicha, so the traditional, I would say, South American uh, fermented drink. Uh, and we've tried it in all sorts of countries. But you wrote about the Colombian chicha. And I know now that it's becoming there's quite, a, quite a high-end chicha coming out that's being exported internationally tell us tell us a bit about the chicha and the story there
0: yeah absolutely i mean i mean i think like lots of people so much of my travel is primarily through my stomach you know it's kind of led by <laughs> led by that and uh but you know i think also food and drink is also a great it's a great route into a country to, to writing about it kind of gives people a bit of an insight and throws them throws them uh into it so yeah so while, while, while i was um you know, researching the Providencia story and the Yanos story. I spent some time in in Bogota, mm. um, looking into the history of Chicha for Tonic magazine, which, um, which, uh, which, which was launched during the pandemic, an excellent magazine actually. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I've had Chicha in various parts of the world, including in, in, um, in, uh, Bolivia, in Cochabamba, supposedly the, the, the best Chicha can be had in, uh, in Bolivia, but the story in, you know, the story in Colombia, I thought really shed light on, um, you know colombia's history and it was it was kind of it was almost a prism to to explore uh, Colombia's history, or certainly a part of Colombia's history, and so I kind of delved into the ancient uh, indigenous origins of it, and that it was a sacred drink, and what it was used for, and that, uh, you know, when the conquistadors arrived initially, they were very interested in it, Uh, but then there was a lot of pushback, because, you know, traditionally the the chicha makers were uh, indigenous women, often single women, who had, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of status, and social power and economic power within their within their societies, which didn't really chime with the beliefs of the uh, of, of of the Spanish. And then over the you know over the uh, the, the centuries since since Chicha became you know really a drink of the the working class, but also felt you know faced prohibition and a lot of stigmatization, including by the governments and included by leading brewers who you know knocked up these uh, you know these incredible. Pieces of propaganda, really, which which are you know promoting the values of that of drinking a healthy uh, a healthy pint of uh, you know you know European beer and associating it with modernity and health and modernity and and Europeans specifically, whilst you know casting light on Chicha as, as if it was somehow leads to criminality and sexual proclivity and uh, you know corruption and all of these kinds of things, and that that this is something in the past and that beer modern brew beer is 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 the future and then it, and you know and then you know in in the bogotasso so you know you know the hugely hugely you know important uh you know event in colombian history chicha is is involved in in that too and 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 uh you know the the, the authorities you know even blamed a lot of the 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 violence and the unrest on chicha and and used it as a as as a, an excuse essentially to uh to, to to ban it and it was kind of in to a certain extent, it was banned until um, I think it was 1991 um, or so, and that, and yeah, that that you know, although it remained popular in in in, in indigenous communities, the 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 chicharias, the you know, the, the bars in which you would would, would drink chicha, which I, th- I think at the turn of the 20th century there were around 800 in Bogotá alone. So these were quite you know these there were significant places, and there were places where people would meet and talk maybe talk about politics and identity and why they were unhappy with the government and why they were not receiving enough wages for their for their jobs and all of these kind of things so um uh, yeah but it, but the, yeah the, the nice story the, the nice part of the story is that it's having something of a renaissance now because yeah. fermented products all around the world, kimchi and kombucha and all of these kind of things have had a you know real renaissance in, in, in recent years, you know, viewed as, as very healthy and kind of, you know, lots of beneficial aspects of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a certain extent, something's happening with teacher as well. And I, 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 you know, I met some chefs who are doing really wonderful things with it, using it in their, 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 you know, their, their high end creative cooking, producing beautiful vinegars with it, producing their own artisan versions to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and and of course if you go to candelaria you know and you know you 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 walk and see where the students are yeah. you know you can go and get chicha today and it's still it's still it's still you know it, it it's still thriving there so um yeah it was it, it was it was a it was a really interesting issue to um to 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 explore you know a, you know drink that's got ancient origins mm-hmm. but is uh yeah it's still very relevant today as well
1: Mm. that's uh, that the point about the sort of banning the prohibition and of course the image the the lie being sold of the primitive nature the past we're looking to the future i had one of my patreon supporters ask me a question and asked me to find you know a chef to talk about colombian food believed amongst many Myself not included, because there are dishes here uh, uh, that are very tasty and very sort of uh, uh, varied in their flavors. But, you know, standard food is is your let's fill and stick to your ribs because you're going out to work in the in the fields. You know, Colombia was until recently a very rural country, but now, you know, the majority of the population has moved into into uh into urban areas and so on but she said that she had heard or read many years ago or many months ago that that the indigenous foods and traditional indigenous foods so such as and chicha would fall under that category and that uh, that uh uh, being prohibited by the spanish so therefore that has resulted in the more bland food in colombia today i found it a very interesting concept it's not something i had thought about i there could be some truth to it i suppose if you're if you're if you're trying to suppress the previous culture the existing culture and then you know bring in and introduce other things I, whatever they may be perhaps that is a way of of altering a culinary culture i don't know but you've just brought it up for me but i thought it was a very interesting point
0: yeah no, I, absolutely i mean i mean i think you know if you if you look around the world so often food and drink is 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 tied in with identity with national identity or regional identity and so on and you know during during the colonial period you know not just in colombia but across the world it, it you know it was it, it was to try and create a new identity to stamp on you know a new identity and if and that you know that meant you know often that that traditional traditional food foodstuffs and drinks as well as other aspects of culture were had to be you know, repressed or or pushed aside or or so on and that was certainly you know that was certainly the case with with teacher in in Colombia you know as I said the conquistas were, always, were initially fascinated with it they'd had huge long journeys and it was plentiful plentiful alcohol as well so but you know but but it didn't take long and it often you know with the you know with the authorities to you know to to look down on it and try and you know repress it or stifle stifle it often often involved the church i think that you know that the the, the church would try and encourage uh, in in try encourage its uh, congregation not to not to not to frequent these mm. chicherias where uh, you know who knows what might have been di- discussed amongst who knows you know <laughs> who knows who so um yeah i mean i i i i, I think you know chicha is just one of those stories but i think you could probably travel across latin america mm. and and indeed further further afield and 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 and, and find foods and drinks and so on mm. that, that that tell similar kinds of stories and often you know we, we don't we don't know so much about them now I mean I, I was definitely struck with writing, writing the piece about Chicha in that I got a really good response from Colombians as mm. as, as, as as well about it and particularly you know Colombians who hadn't you know obviously knew about it but didn't perhaps kind of you know hadn't tried it or wouldn't wouldn't have, would, you know Certainly hadn't tried it since their student student days, and so it was um, yeah it, it was it was it was interesting to 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 hear that, and obviously because it also has there's a very different attitude to it there compared to say say Bolivia. If you go to Cochabamba, you know one of the major major cities, there's you know Chichuio everywhere, and it's you know there the, the isn't the stigma you know that that um, that that would have been applied to it, you know however many uh, hundreds of kilometers, thousands of kilometers further further north um yeah and also and i think you know it's 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 remarkably resilient <laughs> it's a resilient drink it's been drunk for thousands of thousands of years um and uh you know it's it's survived this far which um which i think is uh admirable
1: do you think the english version would be like mead
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, it, it's probably i mean probably types of beer you know you know yeah. various types of beer. you know in some ways Chicha is a type a, of beer and and yeah. the types of beers been you know brewed you know for you know for, for 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 millennia in cases and i'm sure that that there, there, you know there'll be regional versions of that in 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 the uk i mean certainly if you're in you know i don't know say like place like nottingham with a you know very strong brewing tradition you know there'll be a lot of identification with the you know with with um, with the beers that they produce, but you know, I mean, it's there, there's 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 a fantastic story, no doubt, to be written about the uh, the, the British equivalent of Chicha. Maybe yeah. maybe after we've after we've finished this podcast, that might be something I'll uh, I'll yeah, look, look into, into for it. my next Definitely. piece.
1: And then come and then come and research it, and I'll invite you to a Chicha. Well, no, actually, you could show me. You probably know, you know the places better than I do. <laughs> but I think that's a that's a very good pl- uh, part to end on. Uh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for your time. Uh, We've been talking to Shafiq Meji, uh, you know, very renowned travel writer, book out now, get it. If you're in in the slightest bit interested in Latin American politics, this this goes far into it. It's called Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia. You can find it on his website. You can find it on Latin American Bureau's website. Uh, Everywhere else you'll find it. And, of course, the reception has been very good because... I guess it's the first of its kind. So congratulations on that. And thank you for coming on this episode 424 of the Columbia Calling podcast.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Richard. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure chatting with you. The, uh, yeah. the time's flown by.
1: It has, it has. So thank you again. And I hope that when we get more, you know, there's more writing down the line and more books you've written we'll have you back on to to reflect as well because you know we reflected on san pedro and not having gone in and what we would have been like at age 18 or 20 now i'm in my mid-40s and i uh, think you know two kids down and uh, <laughs> things are quite different uh so listen have a good rest of the week and weekend and and thank you for your time and i'm sure we'll be talking again in the near future
0: thanks very much richard uh, look forward to chatting to you again soon
1: It's a pleasure. This has been episode 424 of the Columbia Calling podcast. And a final word from our sponsors on this episode 424 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. The Columbia Calling Podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region – Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. That's latinnews.com for all your news from Latin America and the Caribbean. Highly recommended. And our other sponsor this week is BNB Columbia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Columbia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolumbia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that you heard this advertisement on Columbia Calling. If you, if you heard it here and you say so, you get a further 5% of their already... Great prices! Now that is a deal. So if you're thinking about going to Bogota, Cartagena, Medellin, Coffee Zone, Guaviare, the llanos for some you know some horse riding and uh, and uh, viewing the animals out there, well check out BNB Colombia Tours. Highly recommended. This has been episode 424 of the Colombia Calling podcast. Thank you again to our very special guest Chef Kimeji. Do check out his book that is crossed off the map, travels in Bolivia, highly recommended as well. And thank you again to Matt DiSalvo for the news this week. This has been Richard McColl for Columbia Calling, signing off. We'll be back next week with episode 425, a huge virtual hug to all of our sponsors on Patreon. And of course, please keep on sharing the word, sharing us out there on social media and supporting us by listening week in, week out. Farewell.